I have strived to feed my community, and I pray every day for guidance of what is the right path for us and what is the right path for my community. I'm Lisa Morehouse, and this is California Foodways. I'm traveling to every county in the state, finding stories about food, agriculture, and the people that make both possible. For this episode, we're going to Humboldt County, well known for the marijuana grown there. When cannabis was 100% illegal, the price per pound was high. Since 2016, when Californians passed Prop 64, legalizing the recreational use of marijuana, the economy in the northern part of the state has been in limbo, impacting far more than the cannabis industry. I'd done plenty of reporting on marijuana before, so I went back to Humboldt County to see if legalization has impacted food and farming. When I drive the commercial strip in Garberville, I see some boarded up storefronts and closed businesses. The whole place looks like it could use a coat of paint. It's really different than the thriving downtown I remember from when I reported on marijuana here almost 10 years ago. Adventurous. <laughs> at the end of town, Beth Allen works the takeout counter at Amelia's, which serves local food. They've known their pig farmer for nearly two decades. He drives to Eureka with a trailer, gets whatever's left over from the Booth Brewing Company, and his pigs are raised on marijuana and beer. Like so many people in Southern Humboldt, Beth has her feet in two worlds running a public business, and growing cannabis. She remembers when, in the 1980s, law enforcement sent helicopters into the remote hills. We were protesting and not moving out of the way so the helicopters could land. Back then, when it was really risky to grow and sell cannabis, the profits were high. Growers had money in their pockets that they could spend on higher-end restaurants and specialty foods. Beth rode the waves of change here medical marijuana, the influx of get-rich-quick growers, and legalization, which she supported. Then, in 2017, she tried getting a permit to grow legally. And I would show up at the planning department with a box of pastries, a big smile on my face, and saying, how can we help you get us through this process? But she found it so frustrating and expensive, she gave up. One legalization expert told me it's not unusual for people to spend more than $100,000 getting licensed. At the same time, the restaurant business started to falter. Five years ago, Amelia's added on to their takeout counter with a dining room downstairs. Unfortunately, uh, I have really bad timing because our community was collapsing, a beginning of the collapse. At first, she says, they had a thriving dinner service and private parties. But legalization triggered a drop in price, under $1,000 per pound, down from over 5000 in marijuana's heyday. I mean, we would have no one. We would just, all of the staff, we would just stand here. She says the takeout business dropped 50%, the dining room more than that. Now, Beth says she's really questioning her earlier support of legalization. I just... I lay in bed at night and think, what was I thinking? I have strived to feed my community, and I pray every day for guidance of what is the right path 
for us and what is the right path for my community. So I start to wonder, if restaurants are struggling, how are produce farmers doing? First, I take a detour to the little town of Whitethorn, to a cannabis distribution center for the company Flo Kana. A worker wheels in a pallet stacked with local cannabis, grown organically in the sun. Six people in lab coats sit in a spotless but pungent warehouse, trimming buds. And here's where the produce comes in. On a break, employees get their weekly vegetable boxes from Daniel Stein of Bryceland Forest Farms. There's shishito peppers in it. Goat cheeses. Beets, carrots, broccoli, lettuce. Wow, thank you. <laughs> yeah, pleasure. According to Flocana, the company's purchased nearly 5,000 produce boxes for its employees across the state, paying local farmers almost $150,000. This is a new revenue stream for Daniel, a small one. He's historically sold most of his produce at farmer's markets, like the one I visit him at the next day. The zooks in, in this bin. But he says he's seen fewer people here, and his income's down. We had an economy here that was largely based on the legacy market. Also known as the black market. And under that economy, I think... Money flowed more freely. People had more time. And now? The economy is changing to one of legitimate, I say in quotation marks, <laughs> businesses based around farms that are complying with regulations on cannabis. For people like Beth Allen, the past few years have devastated her restaurant and cannabis incomes. Farmer Daniel Stein and his young family are nervous, but they're trying to adapt. The next day, I go to their farm where their values are all over the land. Vibrant row crops fill their small one-acre farm, surrounded by forest land they maintain. Daniel and his wife Taylor pull their baby in a wagon. This transition time is certainly scary, watching things board up and close down. But at the same time, the, the community is discovering its new identity. One that's probably going to be less flush with cash than in the past. Daniel and Taylor are pretty okay with that. Here's kale. There's a little frog hopping uh, cabbage to cabbage. Lemon cucumbers. It's all good. Growing next to and among the produce are towering cannabis plants. It is a more profitable crop than veggies alone at the moment, even though that is changing. Cannabis, it, it's a dance partner through the season. It is so rewarding to grow a plant that starts from a seed in February and is the size of a tree in November. It responds to your attention and care immediately. I asked them, what was it like before legalization? We had the time and the resources to prioritize and focus on the things that were important to us. And being able to, to experiment and push the limits with our food farming. Daniel says now that they're spending a lot of time and money on getting permits to grow cannabis legally, they don't really have that luxury. But he says they're holding on, that they're going to keep farming their way and keep farming both food and cannabis, and hoping that'll allow them to make a living and raise their family in this place. That's it for this episode of California Foodways. This story was reported and produced by me, Lisa Morehouse. It originally aired on KQED's California Report magazine. Our theme music is by Takanobu. 
We're funded in part by California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. You can learn more at calhum.org. Find CA Foodways on social media and visit our website, californiafoodways.com.